Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Two words that we're talking about right now from 2005 where I learned where Maserati Mike took my money, $172,000, which was a lot of money to me. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Next one is deal underwriting. We'll go over a couple of these metrics. You know, what's the IRR, the internal rate of return? Sometimes that may be a little difficult, Kent, you know, because you're trying to estimate a property five years from now, what you're going to sell mm-hmm. it for, right? Uh, what I like to do in the deal underwriting is just look and see how conservative they are. What are they underwriting rent growth for? right? What are they underwriting uh, expenses for? Make sure they're conservative. And then the other thing you're looking also uh, at what fees are charging. You want to really look at what, what their fees are. And we've listed them here, whether they're acquisition fees, asset management fees, disposition fees, refinance fees, construction fees, get clear on the front end what fees there are. And, you know, talking from the sponsor and the investor side, both sides, mm-hmm. sponsors need to get paid because it's a hard business. There's a lot of different moving parts. And as the passive investor, you're really being passive. You're just giving your money and you're hoping that they do a great job. The sponsors got a lot at stake. They have to sign on the debt. They're taking that risk. Right. So for the, for the passive investor, you have non-recourse. You're only limited to that deal. So if Kent gives Gino $50,000 and Kent and Gino goes bankrupt on the deal, Kent only loses $50,000. Gino has got to make that deal whole. And if he doesn't, he's never getting a loan in the business again. So understanding what fees are involved and expecting to pay because it's a tough business is important. I think the deal underwriting, you know, how long is that hold period? The hold period is important because it's going to tell you, is it more of a long-term thing? And like we had said, what kind of debt are they going to get on the deal? And also mm-hmm. for the for the whole period, it will, will align with you. If you're expecting that money back in 24 months because your daughter's going to get married, but they're telling you five to seven years, that's not going to be a good deal for you as a limited partner. And you can see here, number six, what are the value adds in the deal? That's something as a, as a passive investor and you're asking a sponsor, that, that will tell the sponsor that, hey, wow, this person's locked in. He knows a little bit about real estate. And basically a value add years ago would have been called a distressed property. Now we mm-hmm. say value adds as, as something great. And value adds are basically, how are you adding value to the property? Are you raising rents? Are you adding fees on there? 
Uh, are you generating different types of revenue in the property? Give me the plan of what you're doing to add value to this property. That's a really right. important question. Um, and then the rest of them, obviously, what is, the, what is the occupancy rate on the property, right? Those are, those are really important things. So dive into the deal underwriting. There's seven or eight really great questions there. The next one is the property due diligence. If we drive, dive into the property due diligence, as the sponsor is going over the deal, you want to know what's going on with the property. You want to make sure that they obviously did an inspection on the property. And oh, by the way, could you share that with me? So you can actually see the pictures and see what's going on and get also ask them for a budget. What are they expecting to raise as capital to do all those repairs? So you're understanding the money that's going in and all the work that's involved. A uh, lot of different questions on there. Do you have anything specific on those that you want me to address, Ken? Because there's like nine or 10 on there. Yeah, you know, I think that, no, I, I don't think so. I think from a property standpoint, I mean, you're, you're talking about, I think what's really telling is, is the order in which, is you, in which you went through these. I was, I was just thinking about that, how really just you're starting with the sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. So before you're even talking about a deal or market or anything, you're starting with the yes. sponsor and the person, right? And that's critical. Then you're going down, then you go down to the market, right? The market, are you even in the right place, right? Yes. And then you get into the deal and the structure of the deal. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's not until... And the structure of the deal is really about the assumptions mm-hmm. that the syndicator is making, right? Mm-hmm. What are all their assumptions and are they founded? Mm-hmm. And, and then it's not even until you get through all that, that you really start looking at the property, right? Isn't so, that crazy? So I just I thought that, that was really telling. Yeah. yeah. I never really thought of it that way. What I'm trying to do here intuitively is try to save your time, right? Because if you mm-hmm. don't like the sponsor, you don't even have to waste your time. You don't even have to look at the deal, right? right. If you don't like the market, well, why even look at the deal, right? Don't even waste your time underwriting. Then if you go into the deal underwriting and you're looking at, at all those assumptions, all those assumptions don't make sense to me. And those fees are crazy. So forget about the deal. Now, if you like all that stuff, let's go into the property due diligence. Let me see. Let me dive into the property, see the value adds there and make sure that they make sense. And wow, those are flat roofs. Do I like flat roofs up north? Does that make sense? And how long was it built? Are there subsidized tenants? Is there cast iron you know, plumbing in there? That, those questions don't need to be answered until you've gotten all those other questions on top, which is an excellent, you know, I, I like the way yeah. you even notice that. I didn't even notice that intuitively. Maybe that's just the way that we do our underwriting. We're trying to save time because mm-hmm. what we say, Kent, is the race to 80. The more deals you can underwrite, the better chance of success you can have to a deal. Right. So mm-hmm. as a limited partner, as a passive investor, you should think of it that way. The more sponsors mm-hmm. and the more deals I can look at, the better chance of success I'm going to find a deal that fits my criteria. So I love how you reverse engineered that. That's great. That's, that is excellent. Yeah. And the only other thing I'd say on, on the property piece is just, I mean, it just shows the level of education you have to have as a passive mm-hmm. investor to, to make a smart investment, right? The, the mm-hmm. things that you're saying, okay, what, what kind of pipes are they? Are they, are they cast iron? Are they galvanized mm-hmm. steel? Right. Are they PVC? And what does that mean? Right. What does that mean for the deal? Why is one mm-hmm. better than the other? I mean, just, yep. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things here on the list, which you guys can get when you go and download it, but just the level of specificity you have to get to to really understand the deal, I think is important here. So I want you guys to take that away. But Kent, what I like about it though, is it's just like anything else in life. Once you learn the framework, once you learn these eight Mm -hmm. questions, you can continue to repeat that. And it's a little bit of work. You need a little bit of muscle memory, but it's a little bit of work. And I think ultimately, as we're going through this, I think there's a theme that's recurring that me and you're talking about. There's an underlying theme. It's all that responsibility. Ken, you've worked hard for your money. I don't want you to Mm -hmm. give it to somebody and they don't have a plan for it and they're not a fiduciary to your money. That's the most important thing. Don't you think? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, man, I just, I go back to my own experience. It Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good to get that, get that message saying, Mm -hmm. um, 
oh, by the way, all your money is gone because your sponsor uh, mm-hmm. defaulted on his loan because he did mm-hmm. some things he wasn't supposed to do. And I don't want anybody but, else to ever go through that. And ultimately what I've learned, and I've, I've gotten that call back, it always falls back on me because I'm the jackass who didn't, who didn't, get, yeah. who didn't get educated. The two words, that we're, we're, two words that we're talking about right now from 2005 where I learned where Maserati Mike took my money, $172,000, which was a lot of money to me. And I was, he came from a friend, first few months we executed, but that was ultimately on me. My mom is still talking about that. She can't let that situation go. I let it go. Cause for me, it was a growth for me. Right. It actually pushed me to get educated, but that is ultimately my mistake. Due diligence are the two most important words that any investor, especially a passive investor needs to take. And I think this framework really lays out how you can start working through it and the nuances to work through it. Um, the next one is just property management. If you want to go through those property management questions, the you know the sponsor if they if they're managing it themselves they should share what their processes with their procedures are whether it's turning a unit whether it's the delinquency whether it's moving in a tenant they have all these procedures that they can share if not get the third party property management pick up the phone, give them a call and say, what other assets do you own? Can I see a specific, you know, what's your portfolio and take, get a feel from them because the property management, we talk about the proprietary three-step framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right. Well, when you buy the property, it's done, right? It's fixed. When you finance it, it's fixed. The manage right is where you can make your millions because you have those mm-hmm. operations. So the property management is really, really important. So answering those questions, I have questions on here, how you can qualify them. But the first thing is get them on the phone. And if the syndicator does not want to share with you, or the sponsor does not want to share with a property management company, that's a note to say goodbye. You yeah, don't want flag. to deal with them. Red yeah, flag. huge red flag, right? Gino, can uh, you talk? Can you just talk a little bit about um, kind of first party versus third party property management? Because mm-hmm. you know, you guys are vertically integrated. You have your own property management internally at, at Burgeon Held. We do the same thing. We, we mm-hmm. brought our property management in, have it internally. Can you talk about the difference between having it? internal versus going with a third party and great pros question. and cons. So the, the con for us is we can't scale as quickly because every time we add units on, we need to add property managers on. So for us, it's like tough because we want to start buying and buying and buying. But what I've learned mm-hmm. is that when you do it yourself and you control that process, I think investors feel a little bit more comfortable because we're driving the ship, right? And when something happens, we're the ones to blame. Now there are really some great third-party property management companies out there. And there's some terrible ones, just like any other industry. If you get right. stuck with a terrible one, oh, and I've had students who have said, Jake and Gino, that you guys have an amazing platform. You really teach manage right. And I've actually gone to my property management companies and I've said, what about the moving fees? Let's do that. We don't do that. Hey, they've done that. And all the different systems that we've implemented, whether it's property management software, and it's sometimes they're just stuck. Property management is one of those industries where they're stuck back in the 19th and 20th century. They still haven't evolved. There's still so many tools out there that they're using paper. If your property management company is using paper leases, you just you just got to get rid of them, right? There's so many so many things out there that they right. should be there should be technology. But I think what you know the the big pro is we control everything. The, the con for us is we can't grow as quickly because we're really focused on our operations. And we can actually convey and push off a lot of our savings to our investors. And I think there's just that level of comfort mm-hmm. that, hey, you know, we're managing our assets. Now, obviously, if we have a bad property management first party, it doesn't make a difference. They, they're better off going with a third party property management. But that would not be a red flag to me if a, if a syndicator or sponsor is using third party property management. You just want to be able to qualify them and ask the sponsor 
these questions. You know, why are you choosing them? What is there? What systems do they have? What property management software they're using? What associations do they belong to? All these questions. So the sponsor should be able to rattle them off with, with ease and he should definitely have the track record. And hey, maybe secret shop a couple of those property management companies where you have your son call them up and, and he's calling up properties in Huntsville, Alabama and how much does a two bedroom cost and what's your process and find that out. That's how granular you can get, right? The, the more granular you can get, the more control you feel. I think the better of a decision you can ultimately make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think next one, next one is, is the is, next one is the financing, right? Number seven is financing. There's questions on here. When you get into become a passive investor, the financing is important because you want to know is it going to be long-term fixed rate financing where they're going to get debt that's fixed? And if they sell in two years, they're going to get a huge prepayment penalty. That's going to convey to you, well, they're going to have a long-term strategy if they have the, that long-term fixed rate financing where they have something called yield maintenance. Basically, instead of having step-down step down prepayment where you have, let's say, 5-5, five, five, where if you sell it within two years and there's a 5% prepayment penalty, they've got to pay 5% of, of the loan as a prepayment penalty, but they're able to sell it or refinance or whatever the case may be. So understanding the financing will give you those questions as to they're telling me three to five years, but their debt's telling me 10 year hold. So it's really great getting clarity on that. And you know, as far as the financing, one of the big questions, what's your minimum investment? Some syndicators and sponsors want $50,000 minimum investment. Some want $100,000 investment. So that's something really important for you to understand what they're looking for. And I guess the last one is the legal. Um, legal is important for a couple of reasons because you are creating a security when you're doing a syndication, a sponsor is. So who's their, who's their attorney, syndication attorney? We, we have a great syndication attorney we love to use. Her name is Kim Taylor. I think she's awesome. Um, also, you know, when am I getting paid? Am I getting paid monthly? Am I getting paid quarterly? How does the process work of you collecting my funds? We use something called CrowdStreet. It's an investor portal where we house all our K-1s. We have house all the, you know, the investment documents on there. So sponsors should have some type of portal. And obviously, I guess one of the last questions is, is it open to accredited or, or sophisticated investors? Is it a 506B or 506C? We've done three 506Bs. We're probably going to transition over to 506Cs just because we want, we want to be able to create a fund in the next six months. So we want to have a a closed fund for investors that have that long-term strategy. So uh, for us, when you're first starting out, 506Bs are great because you can get friends, family members on there. It's just that you need to create a substantive relationship. And how do you do that? By asking these questions and by getting to know the investor. That's awesome, Gino. Thank you. That's uh, so much knowledge packed into that one document. I think I'm surprised is... we got through this thing in 40. I can usually <laughs> talk for hours and hours and hours. Good job, Ken. Keep me on back. Keep me on a on on a timeline here. Very good. Well, I, I think when you break it down um, into specific questions and specific mm-hmm. steps, it takes something that's extremely complicated mm-hmm. um, and and can be very very cumbersome, overwhelming, right? right? Overwhelming yes. is a good word. And it, and it makes mm-hmm. it simple. It makes it easy to follow. I mean, by, by no means is it not, it's not a lot of work. I think. Mm-hmm. Ken, I mean, let it, me ask you a question. Yeah. When did you, when did you invest with that passive investor? How long ago was it with that investment? The one that went bad? Yeah. That was uh, four years ago. So if you had done Jake and Gino and you got in your education, would you have spotted that as a bad investor or a bad sponsor? If you, if you use these documents? You know, I hope, I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so. I think the big one would have been more due diligence on the sponsor. Mm-hmm. But I, what I'd say actually, because it was actually through a crowdfunding site mm-hmm. was how I okay. found it. Mm-hmm. And had I had done it sooner, 
uh, had I gotten involved in the program, I don't think I would have been out looking for crowdfunding because crowdfunding uh -huh. was really just my way to say, hey, I want to invest in real estate, but yes. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have any contacts. <laughs> so let me just yes. go online and find, I mean, it was, I literally was just scrolling through. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that looks good. It's in Texas. Mm -hmm. Like Texas, I think is doing yes. well. And yes, you know, so, so I think that like, I, I take my original answer back. I, I don't think I would have been out trying to find crowdfunding. Uh -huh. I would have been out, um, you know, building my network and finding relationships and doing deals that way. And that's amazing because that's the transformation. You've had a pain point, right? You had a pain point. You wanted to invest in real estate. You invested it in the wrong way and that didn't hold you back. What you basically said was, how can I get better at this? Mm -hmm. And I can get better by educating myself and by surrounding people who are like-minded and by taking those actions and investing in my education, then ultimately getting clarity on what I want to get. I could still be a passive investor. That's still a great way to invest, but at least let me do it responsibly. That's right. And the way I looked at it was, you know, I always had an eye to, to be active, but, but mm -hmm. I, I also was, I don't know, I'm insightful enough to know that uh, there's a lot that I don't know out there. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get my education and, and I saw that, you know, I, I think the, you know, the training, training is fantastic, but, but there's something in doing as well. And so going yes. out and, and actually making these investments and going through the process and learning what I like and what I don't yes. like. And, you know, I did learn to ask these questions. So when I, when I went into, cause I, I did 10 passive investments in total so far. And, and by the end I had a much better list of, you know, asking the sponsor th mm -hmm. these types of questions, you know, the list got longer and longer. And, uh, you know, I think as long as you approach it in, in a respectful way and you got to be respectful of the syndicator's time as well. And that's why you have to do your homework. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't expect them to, you know, give you your elementary education. But if you come in knowing, knowing some things, then I find that most are open to answering the questions. And, and like you said, I think earlier, if you're not, if they're not, that that's a red flag, right? Yes. Like, like people should never make you feel stupid for asking the questions. They should, mm -hmm. they should never, uh, if they're, if they make you feel stupid, if they're putting you off, there's, it's because they don't want to answer it. And then you got to start asking why don't they want to answer mm -hmm. it? And I think, I think mm -hmm. that's a, I mean, I think that's a good rabbit hole to go down. You have to go down that rabbit hole. Yep. You are an investor. Oh, that's a great point. So I've created this for us. So next time we do a webinar for our, for our past investors, we can kill two birds with one stone. We'll answer all their questions and we'll have it all in a webinar. We can send it to them as a replay. And if our past investors have our transparency, they can download this document as a past investor and we'll answer all these questions in the webinar so they don't need to spend an hour of their time speaking to us about the deal and Mike doesn't have to spend hundreds of hours of calls with investors because their questions are going to be answered. And then you shouldn't feel bad that the sponsors there are spending time with you on the phone and answering these questions because they're really important. It, ultimately, it is your money. It is your retirement. Mm -hmm. It is your savings and you need to be responsible about it also. So they should have no pushback by answering any questions for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And I appreciate that model you guys have set up to do it in, in a very efficient way, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap things up, uh, Gino, I've got a, a little segment I'd like to do called Keys to Success. And just a few, a few quick questions uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to get your thoughts on. So mm -hmm. first one is, what's the most important question a passive investor should ask a sponsor? If they only get one. Hmm. What, that's a good question. So for me, what is appealing about the deal? What do you find attractive about the deal? For me, I mean, because you were always buying something. For me, when I'm buying a deal, what excites me? Is it the area? Is it the tenant base? Is it the fact that I can raise NOI? 
something that really excites me about the deal. The sponsor has to be excited about the deal. Well, there's a value and we can add 30 grand to the NOI. We can really, you know, the operations as far as property management, the tenants are being underserved. What is really exciting about that deal? I, I would say if that's my one question. But I don't have one question. I have a hundred questions. So. <laughs> right. We, we saw, we got the list. Uh, what, what's been your best investment? Um, for us, we bought a property back in 2014. Well, actually a couple. We bought a 281 unit deal, $11 million deal. It was all owner financed, 80% bank financing and 20% wow. owner financing. Uh, we refied the owner out like 18 months after we bought it. So we own the asset free and clear. And I think it's probably worth about $20 million now in the assets. So it was an absolute home run. But the reason why we got it was a lot of hard work. And we had already talked about being the sponsors. We had, we had the sponsors had to go to the bank and tell the bank, we're, gonna, we're not going to put any money down. He's going to hold the note as a, as a second. So we had to pitch ourselves to the sponsors. So all these questions are probably were geared to the bank. So how we use it as the sponsors, because in real estate, you know, Kent, we're always, we're always selling ourselves. The brokers are the ones who have the deals. We as the sponsors are selling ourselves to the brokers to say, Hey, mm -hmm. we're out here. So um, for us, that, I think that deal is probably the best deal we've ever done. Oh, that's great. What books should everyone read? I've been reading so many books lately. This, this, we were inside, we were talking about getting stuck inside. Yeah. For me, ultimately, I think it, it all comes down to personal development. And if you're a passive investor, that's, I'm trying to think of a great passive investing book. You know what? Listen, the self-serving but wheelbarrow profits is such an easy book to read. It's about the three-step framework. I think that's something that everyone should get down and read. I think the other one for me, personal development wise, is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon mm -hmm. Hill. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great book. I think it gives you clarity. I think there's so many of those techniques and principles that we see today in, in all the other teachers that are around today, whether it's a Tony Robbins, whether it's a Gary Vee, they all employing his, his techniques and his, yeah. his writing. So I would definitely pick up uh, Think and Grow Rich if you've never read it before. Yeah, that book's fantastic. That's just the mm -hmm. framework of how to be successful in life, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, great. it's awesome. And what's your number one key to success? Um, I am not the smartest guy in the room. So for me, it's just committing to something and then figuring it out and, and not worrying about it so much, right? We always worry about what the outcome is. If the outcome is not going to be right the first or second time, trust me, that's okay. That's why we mm -hmm. pivot. And you know, one of, one of our coaches, as we're sitting on a bus and one of our money mixers, he turns to me and goes, Hey, you know what? Everyone's winging it. We're all winging it out there. So the ones who wing it out there and can figure out that it's all a process. It's not, I don't think there's anything. I don't want to say there's no such thing as failure, but when you fail at something, really just diagnose it, see what happens and then try to pivot and try to learn from that mistake and try to grow from that mistake and try to continue. Yeah, I think that's great. It's uh, so much of it is just showing up, right? Mm -hmm. just, yep. Just being there and being willing to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, look at the passive investment that you did, right? Mm -hmm. You showed up, you did it. If you didn't do it, it wouldn't have led you to here. And ultimately what was even better about it is you learned how to become a better passive investor and you learned that you needed to invest in your education and you learned that what you wanted to do from that one mistake, that one mistake could have crushed 80% of the people listening to this. And they said, mm -hmm. real estate's too risky. I'm not doing it. But you knew yeah. ultimately that real estate's the right way to go. You just weren't doing it the right way. So how do you figure <laughs> it out? Right. You commit and then you figure it out, right? That's the way I, that's the way I see that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Gino, thank you so much for being here today. I think you provided tremendous value to the listeners. Um, so as, as the podcast, uh, Ritter on Real Estate is launching now. I mean, Gino, you are, you are episode number four. So we're All just right. getting, we're just getting started. 
And so I want to let the, the listeners know, in the month of May, um, offering an incentive, Gino's been nice enough to, to offer his, his eight-step due diligence framework. And I've had four other uh, big industry thought leaders also willing to, to give some content. Joe Fairless, Dan Hanford, John Kasman, and Hunter Thompson have all, all, right. all offered to um, some exclusive free content if you guys will go out and subscribe to the Ritter on Real Estate podcast. So you guys can continue to get this good information coming to you every week. So um, thank you guys all for, for offering to do that. And, and thank you so much, Gino, for being on the show. Um, you know, how can, the, how can the folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more about this? Just go to jakeengineer.com. You can go on the website. You'll see behind me if you're a YouTube viewer. Uh, we do podcasts for this four weekly shows. You can go to jakeengineer.com forward slash honeybee. You'll get some excerpts from the book, The Honeybee We Wrote. Get some videos on there. You'll see the podcast. So just go visit those two sites. Be great. Awesome. And I'll make sure we get all that out for the audience. Thank you again so much, Gino. It's always a pleasure. Kent, thank you. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.